Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Welcome to episode six of Critics on a Bus. How are you doing this afternoon? As ever, I am doing wonderfully. How are you doing? I am. I am doing great. I am doing great. Um, it's been a little while since we watched Frozen Two. Not too long. Not too Last long. Week. <laughs> it feels like a lot longer. Um, yeah. um, but we've got a new film to review today. Yes, we do. And what is that film, Paul? Oh man. Okay, so that film is the eclectic, the fun, the everywhere film that is Knives Out, that in some ways truly defies description, but in others does not. And so I'm just going to quickly summarise what's going on. Mm -hmm. If you haven't heard about this film, it's been obviously very advertised, it's got an all-star cast, Um, but a quick summary. So Knives Out is directed by Ryan Johnson. He directed episode eight, which was controversial, um, but it shows you the kind of projects that he gets attached onto. He's done some other stuff um, that you may or may not have heard of, but yeah, episode eight of Star Wars. Sorry, that is uh, that is the um, yeah the big one that he's done. It stars Daniel Craig as uh, Benoit Blanc. Uh, very. I don't even want to describe it yet because we'll come to that, but a detective, shall we say, a private detective, uh, and it stars Chris Evans, um, Ana de Armas, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, who, again, we'll get to, but I absolutely love Michael Shannon, this, Don Johnson, a whole bunch of other people. It's got a really fantastic cast, and it is a murder mystery, whodunit, Agatha Christie-esque story. Uh, you have Christopher Plummer, who many people will know from Sound of Music, who plays the captain in The Sound of Music, uh, as the person who is murdered, as the victim, Harlan Thromby. Or is he murdered? Did he commit suicide, perhaps? No one knows. And he is the patriarch. He is the grandfather slash father to a big, wealthy family. And he lives in this house that was clearly, when it was designed, was designed for murder mysteries to take place in it. Uh, The house itself is this kind of uh, gothic, tall, big, uh, red brick, ominous uh, house. And uh, and, yeah, the story is a murder mystery trying to find out what happened there surrounding his death. Yes. And I I will say um, it's a murder mystery that knows it's a murder mystery. They even say at one point in the film, he basically lives on a Cluedo board. Yeah. Like, they're very well aware that it's a murder mystery and playing on the fact that it's a murder mystery in the film, so... Yes. Like... Oh, man. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. <laughs> I, I just need to put that out there from the beginning. I smiled so much throughout this film, and I think that it, it really is a stroke of genius on Ryan Johnson's part. I am not... A fan of episode eight i therefore was not a fan of ryan johnson i felt like he had <laughs> he had hijacked star wars and turned it into this weird politicized thing as a lot that, of people do yeah exactly you know I, I and so i was going into this like well it's daniel craig well it's chris evans well it's you know michael shannon um and it looks fun but it's ryan johnson so it could just be drivel and it could just be political nonsense and you know however i was massively pleasantly surprised by this and i think that can we just start by picking up on on what you said about the fact that it's a self-conscious murder mystery yeah i thought that that was one of the many strokes of genius about this film was that it was funny because it was aware of so many murder mystery cliches and it and it fully played on them. Like the opening shot is this like this shot of the house, this huge house 
and it's like overcast and it's this gothic like kind of imposing house and you have these violins just going crazy yeah. like just very like, hitchcock very very yeah very hitchcock very but like almost to like a comedic level but but in just the best of ways and throughout the film you have all of these shots of like gargoyles and statues and like parts of the house and like dramatic like and but it was kind of all these nods that were like these great little kind of um laughs i think the first time i became aware of what type of film was going to be was within the first uh scene where you have the uh the lady who works in the house as one of the housekeepers uh and she has this tray and she's trying to find where harlan is and you know that she's going to find him lying dead and she's holding this tray and so you think well the cliche is she's going to drop the tray isn't she when she finds him and then she almost drops it and then she sort of like catches it but some of it drops and then it cuts to like the title and i was just like this is brilliant. <laughs> so I've spoken a lot there, but I don't know what your thoughts were on the whole, the comedy, but also a murder mystery, but a self-conscious murder mystery thing. Do you, do you know, I I don't see the comedy in it that much. Do you not? No. Oh, um, no. I'm quite surprised you think it's a, like, like questioning whether it's a comedy. Like, I, like, it was fun, but I don't think it was comedic. Oh, like, that's interesting. Like yeah, the the characters like fun and interesting, um, but yeah, I I I don't think it, I don't see the comedy in it at all. Like it's not something that I kind of yeah, mm. it's not something that I, I I can see clearly that oh it's maybe trying to be like a a funny murder mystery, um, it's just trying to be it's just like a very I like. I almost expected the fourth wall to be broken on a certain occasions because it was so self-aware of what it was. Right. I could see like I could see Blanc kind of turn to the camera and be like, <laughs> little, 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 little do they know, you know? So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see the comedy in it that much. Well, whether or not it was intentionally comedic or not, let me just put it this way. I was laughed. I laughed at plenty of points throughout this film, or at least I, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, released air through my nostrils, you know what I mean? Like, it, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> like I, 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 and, and not just at the points where the characters said things that were funny and that I, I thought that there were plenty of points of that. But I, I don't know, did you not find yourself smiling a little bit when, like, there would be these really imposing shots of, like, statues or, like, when the violins were going crazy or, like, no, when it would, like... like zoom in on Daniel Craig sat by the fire and then like a really close like shot of his head and like no 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 oh, maybe, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just heartless and just don't want maybe to I maybe in murder mysteries but when... okay. <laughs> it's really something that like it it was a very yeah it was very dramatic but I didn't see I didn't see the funny side okay much. But you did see the funny side of, you know, certain things that the characters would say or do. Slightly, but I sure. I, I didn't laugh a lot. Okay. There was very little after my nostrils. So. I, I, I smiled a lot more than I laughed. I, I, yeah, I would say that that's, yeah, that's true. I, there were some moments where I genuinely did kind of laugh, but, um, but I just, I sort of smiled. I thought, I thought... But, but but so even if it wasn't funny, you at least recognise that it was very self-conscious of the fact that it was a murder mystery, right? Yeah, it, it was... I don't want to say silly, because it wasn't silly. But no, it, it was, because it had a it, serious plot. Yeah, it was very... The words I can think of don't describe Stylized. it. Yeah, or like, not juvenile, but just very... Yeah, maybe hyper-realistic. Okay. Like okay. It, it played on huge stereotypes and was yeah, so like right. it just made it all a bit more grandiose and a bit more extravagant. Extravagant maybe is a better word. Right. For it. I found it a very extravagant film, like in terms of the genre of murder mystery. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's there's all, all these different things. At one point, 
um one of the, the one of the the families on the phone to the the carer, carer and she steps into this light and all it's a very noir when it's like everything but her eyes goes dark you know yeah and it's like she, she's being evil like it, <laughs> yeah. you know it's very obvious and very like extravagant yeah, yeah very deliberate of like oh look we're doing this now and you know it in a way, it is kind of clever because it's not trying to hide the cliches and the the very kind of obvious murder mystery sort of themes. It's very much like, oh, now we're going to throw this shot in. You'll recognize this and we'll do this, you know, and all those different things that are very kind of obviously murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I got that sense even from the trailers and from the posters and everything that it was going to be very deliberate and kind of almost like if you have certain characters and certain elements to that are common to most murder mysteries it's like taking those and then concentrating them down so they're even more kind of like strong yeah. uh, and then creating a film out of that like when i was looking at the posters when i would see it it was like everything the backdrops the eclectic kind of colors but then like the detective and then like the use of like like uh, magnifying glasses in the, the pictures and like all of that was and the use of the house in the posters and whatnot it just kind of screamed like Agatha Christie slash Hitchcock like yeah they even they classic, even like, yeah they even watch what is it murder she wrote in the in the film like the the carer I forget what her name is the carer's mother watches murder she wrote on the TV like oh is that i didn't even pick up on yeah that. so like they're even martyr. like watch... are you talking about like martyr like yeah the... like yeah. martyr's mother's watching murder she wrote so like they're even like watching <laughs> deliberate all... nods yeah the whole the whole the whole film that's a microcosm of murder mystery the whole thing mm. you know encapsulates murder mystery through its entirety and harlan the victim was a murder mystery writer that's yeah. how he got his fame it, yeah it was drenched in like that yeah, that theme. Yeah. But I th- I think that because of that, because of that self-consciousness, I I, I feel like it, that was one of the things, at least for me, that, that worked. So instead of trying to be like, these aren't cliches, it was leaning into the stereotypes and the cliches and being very deliberate about them in a way that was almost fourth wall breaking it was kind of without actually breaking the fourth wall and having a character speak to the audience it it was so deliberate i felt that it was almost like you and the director were kind of like smiling and nodding at each other like throughout the whole thing yeah oh yeah like that's stereotypical that like (laughs) yeah it'd almost be like okay what's next now we've got a how it was done scene now we've got a right. betrayal scene now we've got this and that like mm-hmm. yeah you can you it, they signpost what basically what comes next all the time yeah. um and i i do think if you if you think about it it does it does kind of play it does strengthen it a little bit um because you're not trying to like it it leaves you free to try and figure out who done it exactly um, you're not trying to see all these like hidden details and all these different things because you're trying to figure out who done it or how did it happen or everything that kind of goes on the film. You're like, how do we get from that point to that point? And because especially like, you know, when they in- start interviewing the, the, the family and the, all the different versions of the stories are the same but different and very selfish views and all those different things. And it's like, you know, it's very like, oh, like everyone's close to Harlan, the most close to Harlan, you know, like uh, the door yeah. and the son and the daughter-in-law to each in, the, in their minds, they were all sitting beside him when he was having the birthday cake. They're all the more, the more important ones. And so, um, yeah, you, you you were left free to figure out who done it because you weren't like trying to follow the plot because it was very signposted yeah. throughout the whole thing. Definitely, I I think that that was a that's a great 
you know, summary of, of what was so effective about this self-consciousness was like you say, it just pushed certain things to the side. It made the story obvious. And then, yes, it was a case of thinking who did what and when. And um, I must say as well, I, I really like the pacing in this film. I like the fact that it doesn't beat around the bush. Literally, first scene, find out it's dead. Then you go straight into interviews of the family. Like, and you go through those interviews and it's about them remembering the night. And, and it, it just, it cuts to the chase. And I, I, I found that very refreshing and I, I found it very easy to keep up with. I, initially, I was worried that because there were so many different characters, so many big names, you know, okay, so are they all going to get enough screen time? And, mm. and when they do, am I going to follow their stories? Am I going to remember their names and so forth? But I felt like it, the storytelling and the flashbacks and the interviews and how everything transitioned into every other part was very fluid and very um, snappy, but in a good way, I felt at least. Yeah, I think I think there was also detailed enough yeah. for you to understand each character. Yes. You yeah. know, you they they did the they did do like the whole this is who this is and this is who this is kind of voiceover i think if i remember correctly um and then they give the the stories of everyone and from their perspective and i think it provides enough detail that you kind of okay okay that's probably what their motive is that's what their motive is and like you get enough of their personality throughout the interviews as well that you you understand who they are because they're not very complex characters because this is such a classic murder mystery for the you know for 2019 you do understand them from like the first two minutes because they're very you know obvious candidates oh you know you know like yeah they're very obvious candidates so they're almost kind of cartoony they're 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 archetypal kind of yeah they're yeah they're they're one rewrite away from being called Mrs. Green and you right. know Colonel Mustard. So like they're they're super close to actually just being Cluedo, right? Um, exactly. So it means you don't have to kind of like again figure it out. They do all that kind of stuff for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. On that, I, I I wanted to talk a little bit more just about the plot because I feel like whilst we've we've harped on now about how it is a traditional murder mystery in so many ways it does and we're going to have to get into plot points here it does subvert the genre genre in some significant ways and perhaps the most significant way is that you find out at least part of the story of how the victim died very early on and and you have very strong reason to believe that that is a true account of what happened because of this plot device of um, Marta, the nurse, being unable to lie because when she lies, she vomits. Yes. And they kind of use that as a kind of way of giving the audience signals of what is true, what's the information that you can rely upon and build on. And so you find out very early on, there's this whole scene where she accidentally gives him the wrong medicine. So that he's overdosing on morphine. And then he gives her this elaborate plan so that she can hopefully then get away with it. And then he lies down and slits his own throat. To... So, yeah. What did you think about that? What did you think about the way that they revealed that crucial part of how he died so early on in the film? Do you know, um, <laughs> I thought that was an interesting move because in my head I was like, that can't be, that can't be, that can't be it, can it? Like, mm. in a way I was like, that's a rubbish murder mystery then because it's not a murder. Mm. Um, and like, it just, it, I was a bit confused initially, um, but I did like the fact that basically <laughs> what we were then seeing was a, a very ordinary person trying to keep a murder or they perceive to be a murder um very quiet with a private detective right the entire time like their nervousness and everything them trying to like okay i don't know how evidence works but how would i mess up evidence by being normal 
throughout the film. So I thought that was an interesting like plot aspect of like, okay, what we'll do is we'll show you that she's the murderer and then we'll see if you can sympathize with her enough to like, should she get away with it? Should she not? Because mm. in essence, what you'd then be convicted to be like, yeah, this is the person we're following, but oh my goodness, she is, she did just kill him. Mm. So, and then, then you know that she's trying to subvert the evidence. So do you then support her or do you wish her to fail? You see what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that creates that sort of conflict within you. Um, which I think is a very interesting thing to do. Mm, definitely. And it means that it after that point, because again, like yourself, initially when they were explaining that and when it seemed 100% legit, I, like when I got to the point where I was like, okay, no, this isn't like a false memory or something like that or a false story, this is uh, legit what happened. It mm. was clear that, okay, even if there was something else going on to do with the medication and whatnot, that that is the method of death is medication and then throat slitting. And she believes that she's responsible for that. And he's, he died in that scenario. There weren't any other people in the room or any, you know, and so that became, yeah, like as soon as that it became clear that actually that was legit, I, I was like, okay, what are they, what are they going to do with that? You know what I mean? And I was initially a tiny bit deflated by it. But then, like you say, I believe that it was a story about whether or not she would get away with it and how she would deceive, even though she's an honest, good person, what was going to happen with the family fortune after they find out that the fortune was left to her. And I then also started to personally develop the theory, which was probably misdirection, on their on the film's part, purposeful misdirection, that because he was a murder mystery writer, he somehow switched the meds and wanted to die and did that himself. So I was trying to look for evidence of that, but it wasn't mm. there. And so it still then retained its uh, its interesting nature and it was still there was still something to solve, but it just wasn't the thing that you thought it would be. And I thought yeah. that, you know, by the end, you know, I was like, actually that's that's quite that's quite effective <laughs> <laughs> i mean i uh, m- my off theory my first initial theory during the film was that he was still alive actually and that he didn't die oh interesting that he was just playing a murder mystery for his family nice but it was very quickly discounted but that was like yeah. my ongoing theory for a little while during the film um with that then let's look at let's look at the cast and oh man and go through their performances in relation to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, can we start off by talking about Daniel Craig's accent? Yeah, yes, we uh, <laughs> we can. Um, <laughs> what was that? I don't know what he was meant to be. Playing. Oh my! Hilarious. I, I suspect foul play. <laughs> so many times. Was, <laughs> so oh funny. man! Again, that's something for me that I was like laughing at the whole time and i thought was intentional i hope he wasn't thinking that he was doing a legit southern accent i thought it was like a jokey accent if he was thinking i sound like i'm genuinely from kentucky then <laughs> then i guess there's been a i'm sorry daniel you know I was, <laughs> but it was it was so over the top and so unique yeah. that yeah maybe, maybe the whole point of like playing a ridiculously like extravagant detective in a accent kind of way because you know like Poirot and Nero Wolf and all those kind of like people have you know weird accents and are from different places and they serve so like maybe that's the a thing but it was I just thought like wow that's that's a that's a bold acting choice right there to make it that yeah. isn't it so, <laughs> so I hope I hope that he didn't think and no one said great job guess that that is perfect yeah. Bang on. I, I hope it's like I hope Ryan was like potentially be deliberately really bad at the accent. I, I really do hope that was the point of his accent. I, I, I hope so too. <laughs> Let's just assume that it was and not yes. look into it. Uh, <laughs> it was it was unique, and I think that that's the one thing that does serve in its favor because like yeah. you can come back to that one, and no one's yeah. gonna, no one's going to emulate it. Yeah. Um, so with with the rest of the cast, it was a very good, strong, supporting cast. Yeah, definitely. the whole family, 
um, was really strong, had very clear identities. Jamie Lee Curtis plays this, <clears throat> the self-made, with air quotes, um, real estate yeah. mogul with a husband. Uh, Michael Shannon plays the overshadowed son, I guess you could say. Mm. He never really made it on his own. Joni, the um, lifestyle guru who was so, uh, Tony Collett. so outrageous I wanted to die sometimes. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. I think everyone gave a very good, believable performance. They very, had very clear identities, very clear like motives and story you know, devices and the way of telling things and way of doing things and acting and behaving. Everyone had a very clear identity of who they were meant to be portraying, which I thought was very good. Mm. Um, definitely yeah yeah i i yeah so daniel craig yeah again the accent thing i just laughed at that and assumed it wasn't intentional oh no it was intentional sorry that it was intentional um but i think that yeah i you know if we're going to talk about him specifically what i thought was again a really good piece of misdirection was i wasn't certain throughout the film until the end whether or not they were trying to pass him off as you thought he was clever but he's actually stupid or whether he was going to come up with a big reveal. Because I thought that maybe, again, a way that they were going to like subvert expectations was that you think he's going to cotton on to it and you think he's this really fancy, like famous, brilliant detective, when actually he manages to get hoodwinked by Marta, who's really not the best at these types of things. And for me, the moment when I thought, oh, that theory might have some substance to it was when they have the scene of him sat in the car listening to his ipod like <laughs> singing and i was like are they literally just like is he literally just stupid like is it like, like but then it turns out that actually you know he had a very good grasp of everything from the beginning and i, I like that yeah i like that but daniel craig i mean i thought he was really good i thought he was really good i thought it was a um it was a well-timed, funny, but serious performance. Um, for me, the, the, the standout for me was Michael Shannon. I, people might have different opinions on this. I thought Michael Shannon was really good in this. Um, yeah, it might seem uh, like weird to have just picked out him. But for me, there's that scene when he's in the corridor and he's trying to explain to her why, to Marta's character, why she should give some of the inheritance to them. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. really menacing, like really like well acted. Like I thought when he freaked out, it was really like believable. Um, but they were all good. I mean, they were all, you know, these caricatures that, that, uh, that were, yeah, very consistently played. Any other thoughts on performances? <laughs> the, the one character I just want to point out, because he was probably, the, for me, the only comic relief, was the um, the other detective who was really, like, he was a big fan mm. of, the, of the murder mysteries and the, yeah. and the father, and he was like, oh, yeah, love your books. Like, oh, yeah, love, like, just like this, just like in this book. Um, or, like, <laughs> oh, secret, secret window, just like in the film. Like, yeah. in, in the in the book here because they obviously don't do films yeah. so I, I just thought it, like he was kind of funny just like mm. just a random fan basically as a, a detective um mm. and i did i did love the grandmother yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was a top class character that was <laughs> she was so funny ransom <laughs> and like i think it was interesting seeing um we must talk about chris evans yeah I think it was interesting seeing him play non-hero roles. You know, we're used yeah. to seeing him as, you know, obviously Captain America. He was the Human Torch at one point. Like he plays, he plays the big strapping hero a lot. And so for him to be the sort of outcast family member, you know, the one who doesn't get along with them, who's different and different, but yet also the same. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it was just interesting to see a very different kind of character come from him. Yeah. So that was just an interesting performance for him. Like it was good, it was solid, but it was just it was just I mean it was good to see him like change and be a very different kind of character than we're used to. It's nice to see him do something different. Definitely. Yeah, no, definitely seeing him in that different role in that different capacity uh and not be having him be kind of good-hearted heroic Captain America or, you know, slightly cocky human torch. Like it was a very very different role for him and yeah. I think he he really lent into it and really yeah. 
did a good, believable job, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the other one we haven't spoken about is I, I don't know I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, so I'm just going to anglicize it and say Ana de Armas. Um, he played Marta. Right. Uh, the only other thing I've seen her in is the well, I, I say seen, I turned it off halfway through, but the phenomenally <laughs> boring Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, oh, not, I watched the whole thing and I don't remember. She she's the uh, the holographic girlfriend. Oh, she looks yeah. very different. I would yeah. Not... Wow, that's yeah makeup. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, for a relatively unknown, she carries the film quite well. Yeah, I thought so. Like it's a good performance for her. She really because I did not expect the film to be based around her. I expected it based right. around Daniel Craig. Right. So it was quite a surprise that it was based around someone who I'd never seen and well, I had seen, but hadn't really remembered or heard of. So I think yeah. she carries the film exceptionally well, considering the talent that's in this film. Yeah, no, she, it, it wasn't obvious that she was the less experienced, you know, actor there. Like, if, and I think again, believability is the key thing, and I feel like she was a belief. Her character, the kind of the timidity, the honesty, the um, humility and whatnot was all very believable, um, definitely. So, on to the big spoiler section of right. this episode. We've not really spoiled anything. Well, we have, but we haven't up to this point. So, this is a huge warning that we will now be going into the the reveals, the huge actually who done it section of the podcast. So, you have been warned. The reveal of who done it um, is classically saved to the very end of the film um, mm-hmm. and revealed by. Are Monsieur Blanc, um, who well, I don't know why he's have French when he's clearly from <laughs> South, Southern Southern America. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the huge reveal? So by the huge reveal, we're talking about the fact that Chris Evans' character Ransom, mm-hmm. as it turns out, after finding out that he had been stricken from the inheritance, struck from the inheritance. He, when driving away from the party, concocted up this plan by which he would frame Marta, Anna de Armas' character, and switch the medication uh, and the, the medication in the bottles, and then also take out a potential cure, a potential uh, remedy, and make it so that she accidentally killed him. Mm. And then either frame her, try and frame her, which was his original plan, but then he worked out that she genuinely believed that she was guilty, and so he was going to try and work with her to uh, exonerate her, so that then she would then like him and give him a portion of the inheritance. And have I missed out any essential things there? Um, He got found out and ended up to committing another murder. Uh, yes. Yeah, Fran, yes, yes. Yeah, Fran, Fran discovered yeah. the mm-hmm. the whole plot um, whilst she tried to blackmail Ransom. Ransom turned the blackmail onto Marta. Ransom burnt down a whole building to hide any evidence of the plot and then killed Fran for it. Um, so yeah. there is a whole other murder involved in that one. In for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> exactly. What did you think about that? Do you know what? I quite liked it. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I, I had gotten so carried away with other aspects of the story, and I had bought in so much into this idea that the actual story was about try, trying to get her free and whether or not she deserved it, and how to fend the family off who were trying to get the money, that it was only when they had the, the paper, they found the other paper of the toxicology report, and when Daniel Craig's character was reading it in the background, I was like, ah, She's going to go to confess to them, but actually the toxicology report, because she didn't even look at it, will actually say something else. Yeah. And then he'll realize that there was something else involved. And it was only really at that point that I thought, oh, okay, I guess things are going to go differently. But, like, they definitely are going to go differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I wonder what happened then. Was it, was it, the, was it Harlan? You know, and the wheels went turning. And then very quickly it was like, actually, he's worked out. But no, it was... It was ransom, and I thought it was fair. It's weird because for who done it, you think that the reveal would be the the most important and therefore the best part. But, but I was like, ah, it was pretty good. Like it was pretty good. But don't forget, I, in yeah. the reveal, it turns out she didn't actually do it. Right. Yeah. That was that was the better reveal, no, yes. for me at least. Yeah. The so, fact that because of her ability with 
you know, nursing and whatnot, and her skill, she was able to just kind of feel the fact that which liquid was which. And then it was the labels that threw her off and made her think, oh, actually, I did the wrong thing. And then he ends up slitting his throat, but he yeah. didn't even have morphine in him. That would have hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's, it was actually quite a sad reveal. Like, oh. It was, yeah. That's actually really sad because Mr. Blanc said, like, if he just listened to you and take call an ambulance, he would be alive right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, was, there was no morphine there. And I, I thought that was really sad. I also think that when you, when the reveal comes out of how um, Ransom did it, it was the exact same way that his grandfather had told Marta to fake the suicide or to, like, to cover up the suicide. So drive away, hide, right. come in the back entrance, climb up the, climb up the thing. Like, yeah. you know, because it, it, Ransom does say at some point, like, or like the, his grand, the grandfather does say, like, Ransom is a bit too much like me. Mm. And so, like, you can see that the, their minds thought alike. You know, they, they thought the exact same way that they even they would commit a murder the exact same way which i thought was quite that was a nice touch yeah that was definitely a nice touch and it it, it, it kind of makes it a shame then because it's like oh like you know it, it was sort of like it, it kind of it re- it leaves on a really sad note i think mm. because it's like dang he would he wouldn't have died he just committed suicide mm. because he was freaking out yeah you know um, yeah no yeah because if you if you think about it, that even if he hadn't committed suicide, or even if he had, and his morphine was he, you know, he had had an overdose of morphine, that she still would have been charged. So like him killing himself wouldn't necessarily have actually stopped her from being imprisoned because they would have just right. done toxicology. So like it, he did kind of I think think a bit too fast, mm. and kill himself. And I just I just I. I just think the the reveals was actually just a little bit sad and made me a little bit like oh, <laughs> deflated. Uh... A little bit. The only yeah. thing the only thing I, I I thought was kind of funny was the foreshadowing of the final act of ransom, which when he tried to kill Marta with one of the the, the knives in the um behind the chair, and that he was saying when you know when you see the flashback of how the whole kind of death happened, he said you know oh you've got to notice, you know, the difference between reality and fakery, and you don't even notice a fake yeah. knife anymore. He does the whole, like, stabby thing, and it's like a fake mm. knife. And that, it's like, oh, foreshadowing of what would happen in the very end when Ransom pulls a knife and right. goes to kill my just a fake knife. Right. And, like, I thought that was kind of funny. But I, I think that whole kind of reveal scene, although it was interesting to see who actually done it, it was just a bit deflated because it was like, oh, it's just kind of, the whole thing is just really sort of accidental on Marta's side. Mm. Although Ransom was evil and had an evil intent, it was just like, oh, if if no one had just panicked, they would have. Mm. He would have lived. Yeah. No. I, I guess. But uh, as as potentially deflating as that is, it was also a tiny bit refreshingly non-conventional in yeah. that it because it was still. It was still technically a who done it in that there was some intentionality on on Ransom's part and that, you know, there was it was possible to detect the fact that he had done it and the detective did that. And the story itself was all added up and there weren't loose ends and it was pretty pretty watertight, apart from one thing which well, not okay, just I may as well say it now. I thought that that Fran, when she was dying, saying, Hugh did this, and it sounded like you did this, but it turns out that Ransom's name was actually Hugh, and you hear that when he's speaking with the detectives. I thought that was a, just a cheap, unnecessary part. <laughs> it was like, you, oh no, Hugh. Like, I was like, ah, come on, the film has been so good. Like, that was just, but it was very easy to, like, you know, dismiss. But, like, I was just like, that's that's a really cheap wordplay. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, but, you know, it was watertight in the, you know, all the pieces did fit together. And and so in that sense, it was traditional whodunit. But the fact that it it was also in some sense accidental was kind of non-traditional. And I thought that that was refreshingly original but also like you say also a bit deflating so yeah um okay so i after last week last week i read too much into the politics of frozen (laughs) 2 i felt however 
it seems this one I know is political because right. I've read an interview with Ryan Johnson. And the political question here is obviously the question of inherited wealth, whether or not someone is truly a self-made person, the coincidences that go into people's wealth, and what we should do about that societally. So, of course, the person that you're rooting for throughout the whole film is an immigrant, an honest, hardworking immigrant. And the people who all, you know, who are you have that you are suspecting are these overly entitled people who believe that they are owed something from their father and who represent lots of different rich people stereotypes so uh, you know ransom was just kind of like the one who just accept like accepts all that like the trust fund baby like the one who just accepts all the parents wealth and doesn't do anything you had some people who had legitimately you know created a business but they couldn't have done it without you know the million dollar loan from their father which was definitely a nod to donald trump as well (laughs) uh and then you had the people like michael shannon's character who just kind of basically did like stayed within the family and really took advantage of the of the father's talents and the father's abilities and basically just published the books which is technically doing something but like also kind of not because of the creativity and this is this is all discussed in the film but also you have this political discussion just this literally openly political discussion uh when they're at the party about mm. immigrants and about america should be for america and then uh, the one who has like I don't know the skincare company uh, Tony or Joni is talking about you know how actually you know they didn't choose where they live so they should be allowed to care which was interesting that there was that spectrum and then you had the like the Nazi fifteen year old which I thought was hilarious <laughs> uh, yeah. even even if he was underused I thought it was hilarious but then you had the very liberal uh, kind of social justice warrior other teenage oh well college student. And yeah, there were just lots of political messages here. But as I understand it, one of the main political messages was your wealth and what you have is very often incidental. And instead of feeling like it belongs all to you, remember that there are many lucky coincidences that have made it end up with you. And subsequently, those who aren't as wealthy as you, it's not because they haven't worked hard. And that's a very political message uh but i thought it was pretty well pretty well done i don't know if you have any strong thoughts on that i didn't really um have many thoughts on the political aspect of the film like i do now remember that they do speak about mm. immigration quite a bit and it wasn't essential to the plot like no but... but like it was very like it was a topic of conversation that everyone was yeah. was thinking about was the the immigration side to it and i do think it the film does reward the hardworking person over, yeah. you know, the hardworking kind person over the entitled um, and the inherited. So, like, it's something I I don't look at or think about when I see the film. So, um, but pointing it out, I do see. Um, but it's very subtle. I think very quietly subtle. Yeah, and it's it's if you're just in it for the murder mystery, then you can just be in it for the murderous mystery. Like it's not, yeah, you know. It's just there, but yeah. I do believe that brings us to um, Paul's Critics Corner. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it does. Sorry, two rounds of me here, but I'll be super quick. Basically, the critics and the audiences love this film, and it is just absolutely smashing it. Perhaps a bit too much. We'll, uh, yeah, um, we'll discuss that. So it is an 8.1 on IMDb. So it's past that magical threshold of an eight. And that's after 27,000 reviews. So that's pretty, pretty well solidified. It has a meta score of 82, which is astronomical as meta scores go. And if you thought that was astronomical, it's uh, wait till you hear it's Rotten Tomato scores, which is 97% critic wow. score and wow. 93% audience score. So it is, Oof. it is, people are rushing to praise this film. And 
yeah those if you were just looking at that statistically that's like that's pretty pretty amazing as stats go um so yeah which is interesting interesting which also leads us into our summaries and then our scores whether we think that these are (laughs) fair appraisals or whether we're going to go somewhere else so summarize to me how unless there are any other things no i'm ready to i'm ready to give you my verdict on the film okay i thought that knives out was a very classic self-aware who's done it strong cast strong performances um, did break the mold on who done it in a way, but I think it makes a murder mystery very twenty first century, and I really like that. I really like that it could, you know, it's a genre that's very untouched at the moment, and it's something that I think could see a revival because this film does lay out a good way to do it. But I do think that it's a bit too cliche sometimes. All that makes it fun. I do think, in ultimately, it costs the reveal at the end to be a bit deflated and a bit not oh, of course it's a bit like meh okay mm. um so i think the whole kind of classic obvious nature of the film does rob it of a huge reveal at the end okay. so that's that's what i think of the film in general okay well i personally think that this film was just a blast i thought it was incredibly well paced incredibly well acted very over the top, very elaborate, very, you know, stereotypical, but also subverted the genre. genre. I thought it was snappy. I thought it was funny. I thought it was uh, deliciously self-conscious in a really satisfying way. And it's not, it's not an Oscar film. It's not, it's not meant to be. It's not trying to be. It's not the next, you know, important meditation on the human condition <laughs> but it's not trying to be no. it's just it's just concentrated fun i just i just thought it was just really highly concentrated levels of fun and i i i smiled throughout it i laughed i i followed it i thought you know i just had a good time i just had a good time with it, it yeah i really enjoyed it Right. I'm very interested. I always do this. <laughs> I am so interested to hear what score you're going to give this. I think I know what you're going to give it, but we'll see. Okay, so my I, I will admit my score has been bumped up a little bit through this conversation today. Good. I'm glad my um, enthusiasm is rubbing. A little up. a little bit. So I, I want you to imagine I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna describe the bus before I give the number. Just to build suspense. <laughs> um I, I want you to imagine like I want you to imagine a bus that okay. is warm on a cold day. Okay. Doesn't keep you waiting outside. You know, it it, it it turns up when it should do. And like you have to like wait in a queue to get on the bus, but there's plenty of seats available and you can get you can get a set of seats on your own. Warm, clean, and just sort of like plods along through traffic always moving, never really stopping, like, in, like, corner traffic jams, you know, on your average day. So, bear that in mind with a seven. Yep, okay, I, 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 I totally, totally, I didn't know what type of seven, but I, <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going for a seven. Yeah, I thought you it was going to be, like, a sort of dead seven, but you've bumped me up into a nice oh, standard, um, standard warm bus, so. Glad that's, to hear that's, it. That's where we're going with that today. Nice. Okay, I... I, uh, okay, I'm flittering between two. I, I, I know what number I'm going to give it. I don't know what type of bus I'm going to give it. The number for me is an eight, and that's relatively high. Um, and even higher when you consider that I'm, I'm, the deliberation within me is between a mid eight or a high eight. Oh. I really like this film. I, I, I yes. The reveal was a tiny bit deflating. Yes, like it was cliche to a fault sometimes. But I, 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 I don't know if I would watch it again, really, to be honest. Mm. Um, maybe just to like see how the pieces fit together when you know what's happening. But it's not what I'm going to watch again and again. But that doesn't matter. I feel like it was just, it was like 
a really unhealthy but really nice meal you know what i mean like you just you eat it and you're like i'm probably you know i'm just this one time i'm just gonna really gonna gorge out and there's a lot of sugar in here but like that was great and you reflect on it, you think oh, that was a tasty meal and i think that's what this film is so uh, do you know what? I'm going to go mid. I'm going to go a mid eight. So a very, very similar bust to the one that you described. So like a, a kind of unarguably medium bus experience. You know, it's nice and warm in there, but like you say, you have to wait in the queue. Gets where you need to go. There's light traffic. It's not like you're just like making every green light, but it's not like you're making every red. You know, it's a very, very neutral day average day and the trip itself is one that you're not super excited for but not you know on your way to work and you're dreading work it's just literally a to b mm. you know so yeah somewhere in the very very middle eight eight range okay yeah well there you have it there you go that's our review of knives out shocking yeah go watch it and then yeah. watch listen to this it's it's in the cinema, so do go and go and give it a watch. Um, lots of people like it, so uh, yeah. Um, we have also we have now entered Star Wars month. Um, oh man, that's what December's known for. That's that's the new December. It's actually called Star Wars month. So um, including our review of Skywalker, which will come out on the day of release, by the way, man, because um, we are watching it at midnight. Yes, we are full costume. Um, full costume, yeah. So it, the we will record in the morning, and we will release it same day. So do look out for that on the nineteenth of December. And um, before that, we will release a official Star Wars ranking where we talk about all the films. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be exciting, and and we've got a few other films in between that as well. So do keep an eye out. Um, for all that and again like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and I would say if we can get 20 listens to this episode we will release an outtake that we have oh man from our recording so so if you want to if you want to hear what what went wrong <laughs> do, <laughs> do, do make sure you have everyone listen to this we'd love to see 20 people listen to this episode so that'd be fantastic I also am very likely to be doing a written review of The Irishman when I watch it and also potentially marriage story as well because we hadn't planned on doing that but I'm very interested in seeing it and writing about it. Yes, so look out for so. those. We'll post when they are live as well. Yes. Oh. Great. And so that's it from us. Um, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.